Hello and welcome to Blowing Cartridges, the gaming podcast where we dive into the issues surrounding gaming culture and the games themselves. I'm Brendan Tam, and joining me as always is my good friend and co-host, Zach Clark. So Zach, it's uh, it's still February as we're recording. I don't think we've actually recorded an episode in February, though I think I might be wrong there, but uh, yeah, I'm just sort of rambling on here without any uh, <laughs> sort of ability to actually... Um, I guess, move on to what we're actually going to be talking about today. But um, I think that sort of shows that how much preparation I haven't put into this introduction. And That's I think preparation is a, is a theme that does go into this uh, topic we're about to talk about, I think. So uh, it, would not, it would not be a blowing cartridges episode without a very awkward and unplanned uh, attempt at a joke segue. <laughs> but what was planned, Zach, is that we do have two guests on today, and yes. I think you can hear their laughter in the background. So, since you organised the slate of guests today, uh, why don't you introduce um, the fantastic guests we have on that sure. will discuss a very interesting topic? Yeah, thanks, Brendan. So, first up, we have a returning guest, uh, Mess, who was on one of our earlier episodes a few years ago. Mess, welcome back uh, to the pod. How are you going? Uh, thank you, Zach. I'm going great. Good to be here. Very good. And uh, on the flip side, we've got a brand new guest, Ria, who is joining us for the first time. Ria, how are you on this fine morning, at least in Australia, not where Brendan is because it's nighttime? <laughs> yeah, doing doing good. We've got a lot of rain at the moment, so it's nice and cool. Oh, yeah. It's been crazy. With I mean, particularly up where you are, it's been more crazy. But um, down here in Melbourne, it's even been pretty, pretty hectic. Um, I'm sure England, Brendan's been just continuously consistent and and dull, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. It's, it's, it's rain, <laughs> rainy and miserable at the moment, so that's sort of what, what you expect for winter. Yeah. Um, but today, so last time Mess was on talking about game development and his, his sort of nine to five, but here we're, we're now about to talk about a hobby, something he does a bit more in his spare time, I think it'd be fair to say, and is what's the, I guess, uniting factor between our two guests is uh, cosplay, which is... Um, you know, if you've ever been to a video game convention, you would have seen people dressed up as characters um, from games or anime or other sorts of mediums. It's pretty hard to avoid. It tends to be a pretty dominant part of any real life video game event. And I think it's just a really important sort of an interesting part of, of the video game subculture and something Brendan and I don't know much about. So we thought we'd get two people on to tell us about why it's awesome and hopefully educate us a bit in the process. So Thank you both for agreeing to be those uh, those experts. We're going to call you. Uh, whether you call yourself that, I'll, I'll let you decide. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> expertise is relative, and it's uh, well considering I have zero expertise in this area, and I think Zach's similar. Yeah, experts by default. <laughs> yeah, I like that. But first, I'll I'd like to just hear a bit about how you guys got into cosplay, when you started, why you started, and we might start with Rhea because you've been doing it for quite a while. So keen to hear how. You got your start in this um, in this hobby. Yes. So I started back in 2008. Um, I saw I was living in England and I saw London Comic Con was advertised and I had gone through a breakup and decided that I was just going to go make new friends. And so I got dressed up as Meryl from Metal Gear Solid 4 oh, and nice. off I went and had the best day of my life and I've never looked back. So, yeah. That's that's very inspirational. Taking the the heartbreak and uh, turning it into a, a, a complete life changing moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah. yeah, I didn't think it would would last this long, honestly. At the time, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll do it for maybe one or two years. But then I made loads of friends in the community, and I've just been absolutely hooked ever since. Oh, awesome. And, Mess, I mean, this is a thing you've only just started, you know, probably after we last uh, had you on the podcast. It's quite fresh. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what inspired you and, and what's got you into it in the last couple of years? Yeah, like I pretty much started after COVID. Um, the backstory is actually my younger sister uh, wanted to go into cosplay really badly, and um, and she did. And but she was very like self conscious the first year that she tried it. And and I said to her, uh, this was at like Supernova, I think. Uh, and I said to her, next year I'll go with something really really embarrassing and I'll cosplay with you. So um, I'll be more embarrassed than you to give you more <laughs> confidence. So I went as Inosuke from Demon Slayer, who's like a shirtless pig man, the most <laughs> embarrassing character I could think of to cosplay <laughs> um, from the anime Demon Slayer. And um, we both, I think we both did really well. We actually got like a lot of people coming up to us, taking photos, and it really boosted my sister's self-esteem. In turn, it also boosted my ego. Uh, so <laughs> I eventually I got hooked to, on cosplay after that, and uh, I've been continuing ever since. Yeah, no, nah, you awesome. I mean, it's been I've seen a few of your cosplays now in person. They they they're very impressive and at least you know, you've continued at least with two of them, if not all three of them a little, you know, keeping a, a little bit of that shirtless energy going. Um <laughs> which is uh well, <laughs> there aren't that I don't know. It's I, I, so far I've only cosplayed as as dudes and it seems like the simplest e- or easiest ones to do are the ones that are have a little bit of a, a nip slip going on, <laughs> a bit shirtless. Um just, just by chance. There's no, there's no actual trend. It's just whatever I find interesting or a character that I really, really like in terms of design. Yeah, that that's a good um, probably segue to one of the things I wanted to sort of prone on is is what, how do you choose your your characters in terms of what you want to do? Is it is it is it purely that design element or is it more like oh they're my favorite from a game or or an anime or something I've, I've experienced recently? Um, yeah, I'm keen to hear a bit more about that mess and what your your thoughts are there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a gamer, so I play a lot of games. Um, and typically I feel like JRPGs, the designers there are just like on point all the time. I love a good Tetsuya Nomura design. <laughs> all those chains. <laughs> Which, yeah, very controversial. I love the zippers. I love the belts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I just, I see someone like, that looks cool. And then my brain's like, hold on, I can make that. I can cosplay as that. I'm... I'm not too super interested in like being the person, but I really like making it come true. I like making the props. I like making mechanical props, things that light up or uh, things that look cool, uh, bringing it to life. Uh, that's what I enjoy the most, really. And uh, yeah, sometimes I see something cool. I'm like, I want to do that. I want to make it. And then I think about it for about two or three weeks. And then I'm like, oh, this isn't viable or I can do this. <laughs> and then... um. It just goes on a goes on a plan, and I plan it out and see if it's actually viable, cost effective, physically possible, and then I'm just like, yeah, I'll do it. Awesome, and yeah, Rhea, you've obviously cosplayed many more than three characters over the over over the years. Keen <laughs> yeah. to see how you you choose, because I mean, also I've observed through knowing you, you sort of do potentially multiple characters a year, so you, you've got to be going through this process quite quite frequently in choosing who you go yeah. for and how you do it. So normally I like back in the day it was normally just whatever the the brain rot at the time was is what I would pick but now I sort of plan my years a bit differently because I do do competition as well so I normally have like a big build and then 
um, a couple of smaller builds and sometimes that can be dependent on like a friend wants to do like a duo or a group or I've got something from like a previous year that I want to sort of upgrade and things like that but generally if there's embroidery involved I like that's my that's the thing I get really excited about so like all the Bloodborne characters like they're forever on my list um like Lady Maria's been on there for probably about seven years at this point but she will be made someday um (laughs) but it's sort of yeah I try and plan the year in advance and it's always interesting to see what I think I'm going to make through the year in January and then what I actually <laughs> end up making in December because they they rarely line up but um, so far we're on track we're on track with the one thing that I said I would make this year so that's pretty exciting. Awesome uh, you mentioned there as well uh, tournaments or, or competitions is probably the right term sorry um, can you hear a bit more about that because I think that's something that maybe people outside the um the hobby aren't necessarily aware is even a thing I would have thought. Um, so yeah, what well, can you talk us a bit more about your experience with those? Yeah. So I started comping in, I think 2012 is actually when I started. So pretty quickly after I started cosplaying because I really like the play aspect of cosplay. So I wanted the excuse to do performance and do skits and really like tell a story. Um, and some of those early ones are horrific. They are on YouTube and you can find them, but um, <laughs> they I've sort of really worked on that side. And I think it's really great because it's just a whole other level to it. And most people that are competing, they're all really just excited to see how you different things and so it's like a really great chance to meet people in a sort of a less intimidating environment which sounds weird because you're all sort of going for a prize but that's sort of the thing that draws me to it it's everybody having that that trauma bond because we've (laughs) (laughs) been working towards this thing but um yeah there's a couple of uh different big competitions that exist like at the moment I'm going for the World Cosplay Summit, which is where they get lots of different teams from all around the world to complete to compete in Japan, um, mm. and so you get to meet cosplayers like international cosplayers and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, so that's my yeah my big one for this year, and they hold the preliminaries in July, I want to say. So yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But it's sort of it's interesting because everybody thinks that people that do competitive are just really mean and elitist and stuff like that. And that's actually, like, couldn't be further from the truth, honestly. Everybody I've met in that scene is just really lovely. So I'm um, talking about competitions. Uh, I guess what do they exactly entail, Rhea? Oh, absolutely. So we have sort of two styles. You can have things that are just craftsmanship-based. So that's looking at how well you put together your costume, how you thought about the f- sort of the material choices, how your silhouette works and stuff like that. and and then again, how well you did it. So not only how you how well you translated it from a sort of a 2D, 3D model, but how you created it in real time. And then you have the other set that's 50% craftsmanship and then 50% performance. And that normally requires you to do like a, a skit that's no longer than about two minutes is normally what they um, say where you tell a story basically and then perform it in, in real time. But they are doing some video competitions now where you can sort of submit videos of your performance and it's that's a separate category but yeah traditionally it's always been a, a live performance oh great i was gonna ask is the video thing uh is that like a thing that birthed in covid because i got to imagine 
we had to you had to find some alternate ways to uh you know actively pursue the hobby during that sort of lockdown sort of period is that is that correct yeah absolutely and so so the World Cosplay Summit was traditionally always on stage and then during COVID they wanted to keep bringing the spirit of cosplay to everybody so they did the video round which was really fun and I actually did get to take a part in that um, and we came second which was very exciting um, and then they've decided to bring that back this year and then I remember seeing another offshoot where somebody was making really long videos like 20 to 30 minute long videos so almost like uh beginning of a tv show i guess about characters which i would be really interested to see how that pans out because obviously you can tell a much bigger story in that setting so yeah it's definitely something that sort of came out of a change in how we approach cosplay but i think it's a really cool thing because it's a lot less scary doing a video that you can edit and sort of reshoot as many times as you want to and if that gives people the confidence to then do these other competitions it only brings um more growth for the community which is wonderful awesome yeah uh the performance aspect of a competition i wasn't actually prepared for so i i entered my first cosplay that i made from scratch which was a uh, zagreus at uh the game expo uh last year and uh, I don't know why, but I was, like, approved to enter. <laughs> I'm just, like, this crappy thing that I made was very weird. And then just before it, they were like, hey, you need to do a skit as well. And I was like, what? <laughs> I thought you just had to, like, go, and then they'd be like, this is what I made, do a little spin. <laughs> so then I was I was stressing out. Um, and because I feel like it's because I come from, like, a game design creative background. I ended up, like extracting all the sounds from the game Hades uh and then I constructed my own like conversation between me and another character and then I turned it into a comedy and I acted it out and um it people seemed to really enjoy it I I didn't understand what they meant by like a skit or a performance so I just did a comedy which is what I usually go for as my default but it's not only limited to that like some people take a snippet from the game and they like lip sync to the actual audio or some people have a set of poses that they time to the music of a, one of the tracks from the game. Um, and it's really cool. And I'm just here with my funny haha video performance. <laughs> <laughs> but it seemed to do well. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not only about how good your cosplay is. But another thing that they also look for is, fr- from what I, from my experience, is the composition of the different materials that you use. So, um, as I said before, I like making props. I have like a 3D printer and I just kind of like 3D model it in a program, print it out, uh, paint it and all that. So uh, that's one aspect. But then there's also the aspect of using foam to make props. There's also the aspect of different types of fabric and how it comes together. And um, for my particular outfit, it was more prop heavy, which is great. But judges, from what I've been told, look for an assortment of different things and how you've tackled each different challenge because they're all different disciplines. So that's another aspect that uh, judges sometimes look at as well. Oh, and it's especially weird when they all, I had three judges. They all came up to me like the, uh, the three fairies from Cinderella. And um, they were like looking at all of my, my hems and they're looking at all my stitches up close. They're, they're flipping my sleeves. And I'm like, oh my God, don't look that close. <laughs> it was very stressful. And like, don't worry, this is normal. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> trying to like T-pose. Like, <laughs> I remember years ago, I, um, they had, an international 
Yaya Han came to a guest and oh, wow. uh, she was one of the judges. And I remember oh, wow. I'd done beautiful seams on one side, but not the other. But she could tell. She could tell <laughs> oh, that, that was the side she flipped. And I was like, dang it. Like, <laughs> I just, please don't hone in on that. Thank you. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's fascinating. I mean, I didn't realize they looked at it in that much detail. But I mean, I guess it makes sense. It's become, like, I mean, it's such a... I don't know what the right term is, but like it's, it feels like the quantity of people who have done it over the last, you know, because I, I probably remember first seeing cosplay and probably similar to when you started Rhea, but down here in Melbourne in like Manifest and Supernova mm. and that kind of stuff. Um, and like there was a good amount of it, but the quantity of people at conventions doing it plus the quality is just completely ramped up every single time every single year every single you know packs or every single you know whatever event of of local choice you are listener around the world i feel like it just increases more and more so i imagine these competitions have also got way more intense and serious in a way at least in terms of the the level of quality and thus the level of judging over again the last decade or so yeah it's so competitive <laughs> especially competitions what I find um, interesting is, I didn't really know this, but a lot of people just buy their cosplays and then they order it, and that's perfectly fine. Mm. So it's more accessible to people as well, especially if you go to like AliExpress and you buy a cheap one. But um, yeah, the quality uh, does vary. So when I talk to people and I'm like, oh yeah, I made it, I did this, and they're like, you made it? How? How? And I'm just like, I don't know, I just did it. Um <laughs> I just yeah, I just wheeled the cosplay gods in here. I like. just made it happen. <laughs> it's the best feeling. A lot though. of time, no social life. <laughs> yeah. But then the alternative is you just buy it and you buy your props and you can still look cool and um, you can still cosplay as that character. And I definitely think that accessibility is what's allowed it to grow. And I also now do like a 50-50 split between buying and making because um, I definitely – love the opportunity because if I buy a few things I can wear more through a year mm. and it gives me time to really make those things that maybe from a crafting perspective I'm super excited for or it's something that I know that I just can't buy so I think it's definitely nice that we now have that access but I do think something that's lost with having that access is you everybody expects that they have to look a certain way and some of my most fun cosplays are my like literal disasters um <laughs> from back in the day and they're still some of my favorites to this day because they're just they're just hectic but like there a lot of love went into them and I think that's something that's potentially been lost in a way because people expect that they have to just look a certain way and that does create a little bit of stress so that's probably the only negative yeah. thing I have um about it now um, that we didn't didn't have to deal with back in the day because like you just used your own hair or you used uh, mm-hmm. like a party wig and it was fine because that's that's all we had access to. So yeah, I was gonna because uh, yeah. you mentioned before a while ago, even in the judging, they look at things like silhouettes and stuff. Like I imagine there's a lot of people out there. Like even if I look think about myself, right, like body shape or you know skin color or whatever it might be doesn't match with a particular character. I guess from your perspective, maybe both in a competition setting and a more just, you know, rocking up to a convention and having a good time setting, how much does does that matter if you don't physically fit the physique in whatever way that is of, of the character you want to replicate? So um, for PAX, the PAX cosplay of 2023, the winner cosplayed as Toph Beifong from um, Avatar The Last yep. Airbender. And 
she was not an eight-year-old petite little girl. <laughs> no, not like that at all. And she won, and she did great. I feel like the silhouette matters more so for the clothing. Like, if your character has puffy shoulders, are they puffy? Um, mm-hmm. It's also the confidence that you ex- emit from yourself. Like, if you can do the pose that they do, like, you can still get the same vibe. It's not like a literal... They don't take a photo and then, like, <laughs> cut you out and, like, hmm, does the silhouette match this character? <laughs> but I, I suppose for, like, props, they probably check against the references for that more so because it's not necessarily form-fitting. Like, if you have a bag and that bag is, like, perfectly stitched to the exact same stitches as the character, the character that's from, uh, I reckon that's more of a plus. Awesome. Rhea, any thoughts from your perspective on, yeah, if you don't feel like you match your character? Oh, I think just wear it because we are all just nerds and we're just showing our fandoms at the end of the day. And so that's the um, that's the most important, important thing. But it is, yeah, it is really about how, you know, comp setting the silhouette of your clothes, as Mess mentioned. So it's like, I think the the one that you're talking about, like they were really excited that she had like a fan that, had the rocks yeah so that was the thing and that was just it made sense so it's sort of like sometimes it's more about how do your choices make sense as well rather than like at the end of the day if you can explain it and make it sound logical then it's viable but if you go in and you're sort of like oh i just kind of i don't really know why i did this then that's that's where they're it doesn't give the judges confidence i think is sort of the difference essentially Mm. so you may see things and you're like oh i'm not really sure why that that one for example or i would have picked this one and normally that's because i have a fandom preference um but (laughs) you sort of like normally there's there's this whole other side that you just don't see because you only see the stage part and you may have like it can be many different factors and it's also very hard to compare something that's completely foam to something that is complete fabric and then something that's um, maybe even made out of chainmail and metal. Like it's all very different skill sets, and so that's just another layer. Like I, I don't envy judges at the end of the day. Is I think what I'm trying to say in a long, long roundabout not, way. Not a, not a future for yeah. you transitioning to a judge. <laughs> oh, maybe one day, but I, I'm quite happy to uh, just, just compete at the moment. That's been quite, quite fun. Yeah, being a judge must be hard because everyone is great. So everyone has done an amazing job and it's so hard to pick like you. <laughs> You're the better one. Mm-hmm. It, it yeah, I feel like everyone should get a reward in the end. Going back onto silhouettes, another thing that I remembered is you don't have to like make a cosplay of the exact character that you're doing. I've seen plenty of cosplays of people doing fan arts of a certain character. And um going back to that Toph example, I think that was a fan art reimagining of that character uh, created by someone and um that's totally fine as well sometimes people cosplay as ocs which is it's a bit hard to be like i don't know who this character is because they just made it up but typically um people either go for like the actual source or like an interpretation made by a fan artist i think that's such a good thing to bring up because i can't draw and (laughs) i would love to be able to draw fan art and so the closest i get is creating fabric fan art and I think that's something that's important to remember and I also love how certain communities influence um canon because um (laughs) like Imogen from 
uh, crit roll. She didn't have glasses, but the cosplay community decided that she was going to have glasses and fan <laughs> artists decided she was going to have glasses. So sometimes, sometimes now that that's official, like you, you're wearing the, the round spectacles when you cosplay her. And it's just funny how, how that happens because you like people create these characters and then they just go out into the world. And I think, um, sort of D and D and that's tabletop gaming space really opens up for that and I have cosplayed um, my OCs before and it's definitely a different experience because people are always very excited to try and guess what your cosplay is and sometimes they're disappointed when you say oh actually it's my my character from Pathfinder or um, sometimes that then opens up a different conversation because they're like oh I also play Pathfinder and then you sort of have a bit of a powwow about that so it's um, yeah really fascinating and yeah one day I will cosplay my Kenku from D&D she's also been on the list for about eight years now. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to judges I had um, sort of two questions as to and I think you sort of answered one of them in terms of who gen- what are the backgrounds of judges generally are they people that have cosplay themselves and a part of the community and I, I is it something you just volunteer for or is there sort of a certain skill set you have to have and then I think the sort of lead on question to that is and probably more for Rhea how much has I guess I don't really want to say the quality of judges but I guess the quality of judging and how sophisticated it is has do you think that's changed over the last 10 years as the hobby and as competitions have become I guess bigger I think um, I'll answer the second question first because it's there's a little bit more to it, and I think we sort of have had an explosion in the types of skill sets that cosplayers have because like three D printing wasn't around when we started, and so there's been changes in people's understanding. And I think when 3D printing first came out, it was banned from a lot of competitions because people thought you just took the model mm. from the game and then magically printed it out and they didn't <laughs> realize so there's all these extras. Like, there's, there's so there's, much work. <laughs> <laughs> there's so much work. There is so much work and they just didn't understand. And so there was like certain comps where the rules were, okay, so you could print this thing, but then you had to resin cast it because then you've proved you've resin casted it from a master and it's a bit like having a singular button and then making lots of buttons. And so thankfully that's that's evolved and that has changed. So I think it's it's grown for um all good reasons because it's sort of like you they know what we have access to and how those certain things work and so that makes it fairer and usually the judges are picked because either they've um won the competition the year before um or they're sort of a regular staple of that cosplayers like cosplay community or sometimes if they have international cosplay guests they will often judge as well and I think they the important thing to remember is that it is a team of judges and so by having that you have a bigger range of skill sets amongst the judges and so normally my understanding is they'll sort of talk about like everybody has a thing that they get really excited about like mine is people that press their fabrics I just get really excited because it gives a really crisp like look and I'm terrible at remembering to do it so I'm like just, just remember this is the thing that you would look for um and so that is and it it also depends on the level of the comp as well like you have different judges for sort of day comp to the um what they call the high-end comp which is um like championships of cosplay and stuff like that so yeah, I think it's 
definitely everything has grown together in a sort of a uniform sense. And if it has lagged behind, then it sort of catches up in time as people have a better understanding of how things how things work. So, And I always say to people, like, yes, you can enter a company you may not win and you're maybe disappointed, but really you're only ever competing against yourself and have you grown as a cosplayer and are you now doing things that maybe a year ago seemed impossible? Like I remember when I learned to make pants, I didn't make pants for the first seven years of cosplaying and then all of a sudden I had to and I learned and I was like this is ridiculous they're so easy and I didn't realize how easy they were because <laughs> everyone talks about like how difficult they are to get the crutch right and so yeah it's sort of I think yes we all want to be seen as the best and yes we all want to because we all have egos and that's just human nature but I think it's remembering like where have you come on your journey and I think that gives a lot more satisfaction yeah um judges are yeah as you said are very diverse like someone might specialize in props someone might specialize in like ballroom dresses or something very specific like that i feel like i have a sort of a hunch that usually they also get like one guy because there aren't that many guy cosplayers in comparison to female cosplayers so you get like a guy's opinion who has to um, he has the knowledge of like, like you said, like crotch, doing a crotch on a, pan, on a set of pants, yep. very different for guys. Yeah. Or like um, a different fit for a shirt, which is a different challenge uh, compared to uh, the female body, like a shirt, for example. Um, different different styles of fits when you're making your clothing. So there's that perspective as well. Awesome. No, that's that's really interesting. Like I just, yeah, I mean, there's so much that goes into it that again, from the outside looking in, you just have no idea idea uh, it's ridiculous yeah. <laughs> it's such a thing. one thing i was interesting to unpack a bit and probably goes back to also where maybe both of you first encountered cosplay i mean i always sort of originally associated cosplay more heavily with say the anime scene though i think it there's always been a bit of crossover right gaming and anime it's like you know you go to a anime convention there's usually a gaming corner and and vice versa do you think there's anything to that in terms of where the origins of cosplay have come from? Is it has it been more from that scene, or do you think it's just grown organically and both simultaneously? My understanding is it came from sort of the comic book scene originally. Okay. I think, yeah. um, and so when I always saw it, I just saw it in America, and I thought it was just a thing they did in America. Um, and then I saw the event in London and I was like oh there's cosplayers on the poster let's go um and then found out that it's sort of everywhere and I think I don't know because I like my handle is gaming goddess so I predominantly do gaming things um because that's sort of where my love is but I think I have a fair share of anime cosplays I think it really just depends on the person and how they come through to cosplay because you also have people that predominantly only do idols as well and that's a whole nother subset which is wonderful um and then you'll have like the critters fandom and so they're only doing crit roll things it's sort of yeah it's difficult to say i think but then also i find sometimes when i do my older gaming cosplay so like i bring out metal gear at the drop of a hat because they're just super comfy and super easy but people will always try and say that it's from a Marvel movie because that's sort of more <laughs> what they have accessibility to. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm really, really not Peggy right now, but that's fair. Like it is a, it's a military uniform. So that's probably what it looks like. So yeah, not really a, 
a concise answer at all, but I think it's sort of whatever brings you in. And I do think that the anime cosplays are more accessible. Like if you look on the cosplay selling websites, like it's so easy to find uniforms and then you can do big groups that way. And so I think that's probably where it is a little bit easier. And I find that the gaming cosplays have sort of, um, they come up behind and we do have them now, but even a couple of years ago, I remember um, wearing, I think I was oh, wearing my choir set from Bloodborne and someone was there as Lady Maria and I was like, how did you make this? And she's like, oh, I bought it. And I was like, this baffles me because I didn't know that you could buy this one. Like <laughs> I've actually looked for it. And yeah. so, yeah. So I suppose it's probably just a lag time, like anime costumes come first and are just cheaper and easier to produce. Um, and now we're sort of getting more more complicated things and like, the companies themselves know that they can make more money with these sorts of things. Like the, you can get a lot of Zelda cosplays now that are really high quality and lots of different versions of Link, which is a lot of fun. But if you wanted to say find something from Monster Hunter, that's a lot harder. So, yeah, it just depends on the on the fandom size, I guess, and where they can make money. Yeah, and I feel like cosplay comes in waves. So uh, it would have been co- uh, comic books initially, and then more anime, and then League of Legends, and then mm. Overwatch, and Genshin Impact. There's so many Genshin Impact cosplayers. I haven't played the game, <laughs> but I see someone. I'm like, I'm sure that's from Genshin Impact. I can tell. <laughs> and actually recently, yeah, like Critical Role, um, a lot more Critical Role cosplayers. And I think it's sometimes it's to do with which fandoms are most cost-effective and accessible in that way, and you'll see things just explode in that, that space. But I do, like... I'd love to play Genshin, but I don't really want to because, the, like, I, I understand. But the costumes are so beautiful and they're just, like, I can get why they attract people because there's so many different skill sets that you have making making a Genshin cosplay. So it's, yeah, there's because there is still that aspect of does the costume excite you to make enough to make it? Yeah, it's interesting. I was going to say, because, you, you you know, when I go to conventions, I definitely notice there are certain series or topics that get, mm-hmm. like, even, like, you know, when you're at PAX, right, you walk through that hall and they have, like, here's where all the Overwatch players come and oh, well, yeah. cosplayers come and meet, and here's where all the, you know, yeah, Genshin Impact or whatever. So from your perspective, it's a mixture of accessibility in terms of how easy it is to actually craft it, but also just the appealing design. Is there anything else you think that might cause a certain either series or, or franchise or, or theme i guess to to pop up quite heavily um versus others which you know you know sadly there's only like a handful of metal gear cosplayers i see it's not it's not a whole metal yeah. gear cosplay meetup usually these days i think it's sort of how time progresses as well so not just accessibility to making the costume but also how accessible that fandom Mm. is so like a lot of crit roll content you can watch on youtube Mm. and so that is free um and so that will always bring in a bigger um contingent than say other things and i think also like how likely something is to be picked up by the mainstream because cosplay is definitely a lot more mainstream than it's ever being um and i think that sort of will dictate what the next thing is and also if it's a uniform based thing so like um uh, my hero academia was popular for a really long time because you could wear the uniform and just change your wig and suddenly Mm. you can make maybe like six different cosplays for a lot cheaper because you already have your costume ready to go and then you're just sort of spending 20 to 30 dollars on a wig which 
yeah, makes it a lot a lot easier. But yeah, it is interesting to see the see the trends and how they how they change and how they get picked up and dropped, um, depending on what's happening in the world, I guess. Yeah, I, I feel like there's certain trends in like games and anime where like for example, a more recent trend is the action taking place in the center of the screen for like TikTok or Instagram reels. Or the aspect of designing a game so it's like easily streamable on Twitch. There's an aspect of designing humanoid characters to be cosplayable. <laughs> because usually I feel like the artist <laughs> the artist who makes it is like, I really want my character to be cosplayed. Mm. So they try to make it either accessible or just really, really cool or actually like feasible to make. Mm. But that's just the general vibe I get. Because I, I know that... um. For example, a recent uh, Australian game, Stray Gods, a musical. Mm, yes. Uh, yep, yep. Role playing um, game, yes. Role playing game. I was just like, uh, the last few words. <laughs> I, I believe there was an aspect of designing their characters to be cosplayable, and um, so much so that they had events for like people who were cosplaying as those characters um, in Melbourne as like little things that they, as a thing that they did. So it's definitely on the minds of designers who are creating these characters. At least now. Mm. Yes. Yeah, and they, they're bringing it into their marketing in probably a bit more of a a way to bring the fans in aside from, I guess, absolute tangents as Zach's going to love me. But if you think about the 2010s and, well, Lollipop Chainsaw and that whole marketing <laughs> yeah. idea was, oh, we'll get someone to act as a character and that's basically we're doing it for marketing and not really thinking about the cosplay scene. Yeah, I I just like the aspect of a designer being like, okay, I'm not going to put this like bag or satchel in a very specific place because I know that someone actually wearing this, it's like impossible and they can't do it. Or I'm not going to do this weird design because it's difficult. Or they'll do it and then they'll like wait and see for a cosplay to do it. I, I think, um, didn't the creator of Nia designed to be in a certain way um, for a certain reason. Because <laughs> he likes women. Yeah, That's, yeah he likes that women. That literally so, um, what he came yeah. out and said. And it's the same with Quiet. Kojima came up with all these oh, like, wonderful oh, yes. reasons why she's like she is, but truly it's just that he likes women. There's some motives. <laughs> like, different types of motives. Yeah, wasn't there something about po- with Quiet about poison and all different yeah. mechanics? So she, bree- she breathes through her skin, I think, yeah. is, uh, <laughs> is what it's to do with, and that's why she needed to just not have any clothes on. Um, I just love yeah. how on Twitter Kajim was just like, there is a reason, and you will be shocked when you find out. <laughs> yeah. And then we all played it like, what's the reason? Like, there were so many theories. <laughs> everyone, like, <laughs> just unanimous- unanimously agreed that that was, like, the worst <laughs> reason impossible yeah it's so silly so silly but she's fun to cosplay like it's it's really it's really interesting sort of the reactions because i remember that that cosplay got posted to 4chan and someone was like oh what's she supposed to be some like army thought and everyone's like no she's actually cosplaying quiet like it's a legitimate (laughs) thing like it's (laughs) why not both you know like (laughs) and i was like exactly (laughs) exactly like everyone wants a thought moment but um yeah it's very it's very polarizing and it's very interesting because i was expecting that to sort of go south very quickly when it got posted there but no people were actually like no no that's that's what that is and yeah they moved on (laughs) quite quickly but um i do really like nowadays that companies will post their sort of like design sheets for the character so that you don't have to guess what the backside of the costume looks like. And I think that's definitely more 
prevalent oh, now yeah. to make it a lot more accessible when we talk about how designers are thinking about if You're they so can right. make their design cosplayable. And that's something, that's probably the biggest change that I've seen from companies specifically. Yeah, there's like little guidebooks. I think the mm. uh, Genshin and some League characters have like little guidebooks on like the aspect of a particular character, like different angles. This is their prop. This is what the underneath of their shoe looks like, <laughs> just so you can like <laughs> accurately make it, which is cool. Because um, when I cosplayed as Zagreus, uh, there's no actual official 3D model of him uploaded. All I've, all I've got are like the the concept arts, uh, the art on the cover of the game or something, or like yes. a, uh, a fan art by the actual creator. Well, not fan art, official art by the creator. And because it's a drawn character, it's always off. It's always wrong. Like I was trying to like create like the skulls on Zagreus's shoulder, and the design for them kept on changing, and I didn't know what was real. <laughs> um, and it made me so frustrated because I'm looking at pictures, and I'm like, I don't know how to make it look like all of these at the same time. Um, eventually, a figurine of him came out, like a really good detailed one, um, and I bought it. And then I looked at it, and I'm like, Oh yeah, I can remake this. I can actually understand the form of it, and that comes that goes a long way. Just having an understanding of the form of a character, especially if they're illustrated as 2D. And I think also, like, that's the other beauty of the community and its accessibility now, because you can see other people cosplay the thing that you want to cosplay. Mm. And so sometimes I will make something the way another cosplayer has made it, because they're my headcanon for it. And it's actually different from the official art, because seeing something in real time you're sort of like, oh, that's how it went together. But sometimes on the model, you're like, I have no idea what's happening right now. <laughs> yeah. I love it when it comes to uh, pixel art, like very old retro games. I think like Mother Mother Free, because there aren't that many illustrations mm. of the actual characters there. Uh, there's there's so many fan interpretations. And then one of them just becomes the headcanon. Mm. And then eventually maybe they remake the game <laughs> or like they release actual art and you're like, oh, he, well, he, this character's yeah. not holding. They were sideburns. Well, yeah, I think I, mean, I don't know if you're referencing that thing. Was it uh, is it Duster? I think from Mother Three. Like there was a big yeah, deal. Yeah. Like he just got his first mm. plushie, and everyone's like, "We finally actually know how he looks." Like we don't have to theorize exactly. anymore, which is crazy. And sometimes that's hard as well because the companies will release like their concept out before the game's released, and so people will jump on. Because um, I have made certain things that are finished and worn on like release day. And then they change it. And so then people are like, well, why are you this color? And it's like, because the artwork I had, they were this color. So this is what we're, we're going with. And that's also fascinating because both situations can be true for that one character. But um, yeah, suddenly it's like, oh, no, it doesn't look like that. And you're like, well, it was true <laughs> at some point. Rest in peace, all the like Vegeta cosplayers that had red hair and like orange <laughs> yeah. outfits. Oh, my God. Back in the 90s, probably. Yeah. Um, Super Saiyan 15. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, awesome. Mess, last year at PAX, I think you were on a panel about, you know, sort of talking about how to get into cosplay. Um, is there anything you want to repeat from that or, or summarize in a short form for someone who's listening oh to this and God. going, hey, I'm interested. What, what, what do I do? Mm. You just got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It is very daunting and difficult to get into, but there are many like tutorials and guides online. There are so many, like a uh, Kumui cosplay, for example, is like a fan favorite by a lot of people. And she has books that you can just read and be like, oh, these are different aspects of making cosplay. I talked more about making cosplay, but as we mentioned before, you can just totally buy one. And yeah. if you don't like it, you can alter it. Um, and it's not a big issue. Uh, my first cosplay was bought. 
and I bought I was in Osuka, so I had like a giant boar mask on my head. But it, when I bought it, it was ugly. It was like shrink wrapped in a crappy little bag. Um, so I puffed it up. I used this like a steam wand, and then I repainted it, and it looked really good. I feel like an aspect that beginner cosplayers need to understand is there's something called like the two meter rule. Two meter rule. If your cosplay looks good two meters away, then that's perfect. You've done a great job. You don't need to go closer than two meters and be like, oh, the stitches here are a bit ugly, or I can see this glue. As long as you're two meters away and it looks great, you've done a good job. And especially if you walk around like an expo such as PAX, walk around outside where there are a lot of cosplay photographers and you get a photo taken, the photos that are taken look so much better than what you think you look like like in a mirror. <laughs> like, as weird as that sounds, like uh, I'm like, oh, I feel like this cosplay is awful, and I... I strike a pose and then I do that pose. The light hits me in a certain way and the photographer has an eye of illustrating and portraying that character very well. And then a week later you get a photo and you're like, oh my God, that's me. (laughs) Is that what I look like? That's pretty cool. And going off that, knowing your poses is so important. I have a really bad habit of not knowing my poses until the day before. (laughs) And um, it causes a big issue because when you're at a con, people are like, can I take a photo of you? Or can I take a photo with you? And you can't just stand there and like T-pose. You have to do something. You have to look cool. You have to look like the character that they want you to look like, at least from their perspective. So doing a bit of research and figuring out their key poses and and practicing them and practicing like swapping between them instantly <laughs> um, is a very good skill that help, help you portray that character. And I know that some people like to put on the voice of the character or they, they try to be that character. Like you can do that. Um, I find it, I find it a little bit cringe, but um, I, I typically don't do that. Typically people just want to see you as a person and then you, you do a photo. You're not like a mascot. You're not representing the company. Until one day you are when they hire you to do it. <laughs> Until one day you are. <laughs> Until the bags of money come out of the truck. Yeah. Like, oh, I'll, I'll do whatever you want for more money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you wear a giant Pikachu suit and be like, Pika, yeah. Pika. <laughs> Look, I love a cringe. I love a cringe moment. <laughs> a cringe moment? Oh, my God. <laughs> but it's uh, that's also just because I'm old now, I think. But I, I, I definitely agree with the having your poses prepared i have a friend that makes pinterest boards of her poses and she's so fun to like do group work with because she's like okay this is this is what we're going for in the artwork and then you all sort of stand and it's so nice i'm not organized to do them myself but it definitely definitely is a game changer but there's nothing nothing like the confidence boost of getting your photos back and being like that's how i looked that's incredible all that stress was worth it yeah (laughs) i feel like something else is you have to like own it you have to be like yeah i made this costume i'm so confident and you have to extrude ex- emit confidence like otherwise you if you feel awkward you will look awkward because sometimes i see cosplayers and they look great but they're just like self-conscious of what they look like but you just gotta like own it and that that really does mm. come a long way fake it till you make it that, that fake it till you make it life. <laughs> exactly Absolutely. i'm an and expert like, on cosplay <laughs> but you're also like you're with people that are excited to see what you're wearing yeah. and so like for the most part it is a safe space and i think some of my favorite characters are just things that aren't from very big fandoms and you've literally made one person's day because i cosplay from 999 that oh, yeah. yes. a lot oh yeah yeah nice. 
Yeah, you're and in so, the right group. We know. Like, what <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, anytime I bring out a cane, like I will have one person, and they're just so stoked, and it's the best feeling because you're sort of like, okay, I've made this connection with someone that gets this really niche game, but also it's really exciting, and it's also not as exhausting as when you're wearing something that's very popular at the moment, um, because people are they they want your photo, and that's great, and it's beautiful, and like we do do it for that. Um, but sometimes I just want to eat chippies and uh, <laughs> look, at, look at Artist Alley. <laughs> um, and so that's probably why I do like a big cosplay one day and then a chill cosplay the next day. And that sort of um, keeps my keeps my spoons intact. Yeah, I typically, um, if it's like a three-day event like PAX, I do the first day. I, I cosplay as um, as myself. I just walk around and I enjoy the convention like uninterrupted. And then the next days I actually cosplay, just be like, okay, now, now I'm switching modes. I'm going back into like beginner tips another thing is knowing when to like cut your losses so you don't cosplay crunch which is really really bad i i, I got bored so i tried it it's really bad you burn out <laughs> it, it's it's real um you need to understand that um if you have a deadline which is usually the expo or your last free day to develop a cosplay you need to be like okay this is what this looks like i need to move on <laughs> otherwise you'll be spending uh countless hours overnight and then on the day of the con, you'll feel horrible. Like you have to like drive to the con or take a train or whatever. And you, it's such a drain on yourself. And then you get then you're like, all right, time to be this person. Um, it's better to have like a good night rest. And something that was mentioned as well is um, you're in a community. Believe it or not, everyone else who was playing struggled the same way that you did. They if they made it, they, they've done all the sewing and it's just like, they've been through the same pain that you have. If not now, they did before. Um, so you already have plenty of things to talk about and you, you already have similar interests, especially if they're from the game or the source material that you're also cosplaying as. And typically, everyone's really friendly. Like, I haven't met a cosplayer that's like, no, don't take a photo of me or no, don't talk to me. Everyone really is super... Everyone's a nerd. <laughs> they really want to um, express their love for the media. So um, I feel like making cosplay friends comes like a long way because, as I said, you've all struggled. You've all solved similar problems. Like if later on you're like, oh, I want to learn how to resin cast, you can just hit up one of your cosplayer friends and they'll just be like, oh, yeah, these are the brands I like. Or because of the Australian weather this is what I need to do to blah, 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 <laughs> like more localized yeah. specific examples. Because if you look up tutorials, it'll be like based in Europe or be based in uh, America. And they'll be like, get Bondo spot putty. And you're just like, what's that? And you go to Bunnings and they don't have it. It's because we don't have that. We have a different type of material that you can get. And there's a certain gap of knowledge that um, isn't really accessible online. And you just have to like be a part of the community and like, ask and um and then you can develop as a player and i think that comes from like you forget what you didn't know and that's that's the hard thing so like i will make something and someone will be like this is really cool like how did that happen and i was like oh it'd be blah 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 and then they'd be like yeah but how did you think of that and then to my my brain i'm like oh i just that's it just is like and I don't have <laughs> I don't have like I just sort of felt it like it's that's how I did I it but it. it's because of all these like this all this time of like mm. trial and error and I think that's why 
absolutely like you don't want a con crunch and you need to cut your losses but even if you wear half your costume people will still know what you are and so sometimes it's just putting it on and going getting a few photos back and going okay I like this part about it I don't like this part and doing that sort of self self reflection and then you're like okay we'll we'll grow from here but I think for beginner cosplays my favorite tip is considering like thrift store cosplays so where you like yes you go out of shopping and then you buy different components and maybe you're just gonna like paint some things on or you're gonna hand sew something or just keep it really simple like i did ashley from resident evil 4 mm-hmm. uh back in the day i haven't done her remake yet but i will <laughs> but like nice. she's just like she's an orange jacket a polo um polo neck jumper um and then that cute little mini skirt and so like you can find things like it it takes time and so like really what you're paying for is the time it takes to search for these things but you have something that is fully assembled you know it's not going to fall apart on you you've done a bit of crafting without too much stress and then you've created this thing that you have created yourself Um, and I think that that's sort of a, a medium that gets overlooked a lot because you can buy them ready to go out of the box but you will find it cheaper if you're if you're ready to like go on the hunt but even now I make op shop cosplays because they're just sort of like my comfort comfort space like my Imogen was mainly um op shop and came up and then I just made the dress and then off we went so yeah yeah op shops are a very good option I find that um because I'm in a cosplay like friend group and most of them are female they find more success in op shops of finding like a more complete thing of what they want. Um, as a guy, it's a bit hard to find because you find like tradie stuff in op shops usually. <laughs> and <laughs> it's it's tradies or the poor quality suits. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, luckily I needed to go as someone in a suit, so that worked out. But even then, um, what you can do with op shop clothing is you can take it apart and understand how the garment is made. So, for example, if you want to do a particular type of uh, like a skirt or dress you just like look at the seams look at the stitches you take it apart and you can use that as a template or pattern my friend recently took apart a cheapo uh, leather bag from the up shop it was like five bucks and they turned it into a pouch for a character who has pouches leather pouches and leather is really expensive cheap or not but going to an op shop and buying some raggedy old leather bag is such a better deal there is a bit of work in the disassembly and you need to understand um, how much fabric or material that you need from the garment but um it does come a long way and it's a very viable option of reusing rather than creating more and it's also you've you've made something that's then sustainable which is incredible Um, yes and i think like just because you like sometimes you can find some really cool fabrics and curtains and things like that like I've got two leather mini dresses that are sky blue because I'm making Jill Warwick from Final Fantasy 16 but her alternate outfit so it's like that's so cool pleather but I needed it to be stretchy and like the traditional craft stores didn't have any stretchy pleather but for some reason there was like three of these dresses dumped in like various sizes and I was like oh you'll be the perfect material like I can't (laughs) mess up because I've only got one (laughs) shot at it but um yeah and I think that's so so cool because as you said like you're you're getting materials you're then seeing how something is constructed and then you're turning it into something else so yeah really the 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 op shop journey doesn't doesn't stop it just sort of morphs into other things which is pretty fun 
Awesome. Have you ever like just gone shopping and then used that as inspiration? Like, oh, I found these things. I can now make this character versus going in with like, I'm making this character. What can I, what can I find to fit that? I have. Yes, I absolutely have. Because I sort of have uh, maybe four or five different things rattling in my head at any one time. And so sometimes it will just sort of bring it forward. Like I got some leather pants for $2 from Kmart for my Astarian like camp outfit that I will do. And so I was like, okay, I know I just need to get the shirt and his wig and then he's done. But I had planned to do him later in the year, but I'll probably bring him out for maybe Gold Nova in April because like he'll be, he'll be done. But if I hadn't found those pants, then he would have been on the, on the wait list. But, um, oh, and I also found an Anna from Frozen Cosplay in the off oh, shop wow. the other week. And I just, yeah, I was just like, oh, okay, I guess she's on my list now. And she was, <laughs> she was $20 and I was like, mm, yep, yeah, okay, let's go. So yeah, so sometimes, it, like many things, the op shop will inspire you. But also, you can shop in any section. Like if a different section has like a really like the amount of times I've bought wedding dresses and then like removed all the lace and things like that because that's cheaper than going out and buying lace and things like that. And like I've I, I'm on the has been train, so I want to do a Lucifer. <laughs> and I saw someone else get a wedding dress and then make his jacket from that and oh, I was yeah. like that's just so smart nice. because they eventually sell those off for so cheap and like yeah you can't buy that level of materials for the ten dollars that you paid on that dress type thing so yeah yeah and even if you're looking for like scrap materials um for example if you're making an outfit usually you make like a mock-up version of it first before you move on to your more expensive fabrics and I heard that uh using bed sheets as gross as it is from the op shop you just like reuse it as just base material to make a form. And yeah, super cheap comes a long way. Awesome. Give it a wash before you use it though. <laughs> yeah. Or put it in the freezer. That's also, that kills everything. You freeze it and then wash <laughs> <Okay>. it. <laughs> put, uh, put it in the freezer. <laughs> yep. <laughs> right next to my ice cream. <laughs> yep. Or just, yeah. I mean, we have two freezers, so like it goes yeah. in the other chest <laughs> freezer. Yeah. <laughs> another reason for me and my wife to get a second freezer. Not that, not that yeah. we need much more, but still it's helpful. <laughs> awesome. Brendan, I'm going to flip the switch and ask you a question. Whoa, uh, go for it. Uh, as a fellow not often cosplayer or cosplayer at all, you know, we go to a lot of events or at least some events every year. How important is seeing lots of cosplay for you as an attraction to go to events um, and or more, you know, broadly even for other people that you witness going to the events? I think it's a really important aspect to it and I think it's it's really grown. Like, I think I mentioned it to you or on another podcast we did uh, about my very brief four or five hours in uh, PAX Australia last year where... I hadn't planned on going and I ended up going during my brief time back in Australia and just getting off at Southern Cross Station and uh, on the Friday and realising, oh, PAX is on at the moment and seeing everyone dressed up in all different manner of cosplays. Of course, it's PAX, so a lot of it is video game related, but you have your comic book, anime and just all manner of different things. I think it really builds the sense of the event. It it builds that sense of a broader community about particularly video games, but all those sort of media that we all love and we're really interested in or we're really into that even though I don't partake in cosplay, I've never really seriously thought about getting into it as a hobby. I, I do appreciate the craft and creativity that goes into it. And I think it does, 
it, it gives an outward face to our interest in our hobby, even though perhaps there's people in the general public that think, oh, w- what's going on with all these people dressed up in a strange way, wandering around on public transport, like sort of what's going on? Uh, like for me, I think uh, it, it's sort of like, oh, these are my people. This is this is great to see. <laughs> I I have that always just makes me think of, and I'm sure probably all four of us can relate. That one year, Pax was on Halloween weekend, and it was just like constantly like Pax or Halloween party. I cannot cannot tell when. I- <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I went to Japan recently, and I went to I think it was Ikebukuro, and that's like cosplay central. It is wild. Like you know, you've entered the right place when um you just see a bunch of cosplayers like crossing the street. <laughs> and there's so many uh cosplayer uh shops there as well for like wigs, contacts, clothing, secondhand props, secondhand costumes. There was just so much. And there's a park nearby and peop- there was just a huge crowd of people. I think they were Genshin cosplayers. They were doing like huge photo shoots. And there's also a culture of like photo shoot booths as well over there. It was wild. We don't quite have something like that, but yeah, during PAX around the Southern Cross area, you get like a glimpse of that. And to me, I'm like, ah, my people. It it does feel a bit awkward not being in cosplay and hanging out in that area because <laughs> I, I don't know how you're being perceived as. I, I don't know if you're like you're, you're a creep or not. I guess it depends on how you behave. But for me, I'm just like, ah, my people. <laughs> it's such a good. It's such a good feeling though. Like, and I really love that a lot of um, conventions work hard to have like organized meetups because sometimes I've got into a fandom later or I don't know anyone that's cosplaying in that sort of section of fandom and so having that is really really nice because you sort of go in and you you meet people and yeah it feels like home which is so so wonderful but I do wish we had the the cosplay photo studios that they have in Japan they're just phenomenal and uh, one so day cool. I'll I'll get to go to one but um yeah because they have this weird rule where you have to like you sign up but then you can't go that day you have to wait oh. like uh, so many oh. days for them to give you your pass and that's why I haven't done it yet but maybe maybe this trip I'll finally finally yeah, do it yeah i have um two friends who did that they they brought their cosplays to Japan they brought um some props some wigs and their, their clothing um, in their suitcases, they took up their valuable suitcase space um, just to go to one of these photo booths, and they loved it. I know I did it for um, so Fujiku Highlands has like an Evangelion exhibit, um, and so I took my two versions of Oscar because you can pay to sit in an entry plug, and uh, I was so <laughs> nervous because you you're not supposed to cosplay in public, but like Oscar's a national icon, so she's like a little different, and also I'm clearly Caucasian, so um, they were just like they were just like oh this is fine, this is fine, so yeah, got changed in the toilets and then wiggled out and did my thing, and then yeah, so so fun so fun but it it's sometimes you just have to like that was very nice because it's all very staged but sometimes we just have to be inventive about where we get our, our photos because uh, you see all the people in Europe just flying all over the place and getting these phenomenal photo shoots but we have so many amazing photo locations here in Australia I just don't think anyone's like shouting about them as much yeah, I wish we had more uh, abandoned castles like Europe <laughs> is just there's so many abandoned well, castles there we have we have a few but oh, they're go, a bit of fun go to Ballarat Kyle Castle yeah and I think, <laughs> yeah I that's think like you, the only one <laughs> you guys have more than us we have a fake concrete castle uh, up here in Brisbane that's uh, falling apart I've that I did my filming for the for the cosplay video thing um, there, and it was a lot of fun. It cost us ten dollars to get in, hey, and nice. they were like, "So you can't you can't get away 
in the way of the children. And we were like, that's okay. We will, <laughs> we will keep out of their way, even though it was like a weekday and like we were literally the only people there. But no, and then they came round and they were like really nice. And were like, <laughs> Don't poison the minds of the children. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with your raccoon girl. Because, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we did uh, Shield Hero. But um, oh, nice. no, absolutely, definitely think, yeah. And I think also like the tricky thing is some places uh, we ruin it for ourselves. Like we'll go and then we'll like parts of the community will leave it messy and then they wonder why we don't get invited back so i think it is important to if you do find these places and you work well with them like that the community continues to work well with them because honestly on location shoots just so cool so cool like studio is cool too but it just has a different just has a different look something you don't think about being again like i'm not looking out for places to get photos in certain costumes but now, <laughs> if i ever do cosplay it's something to think about though um yeah, the only two times I've ever cosplayed, I just went with super simple, right? Like, I went, like, Ness, because, like, you can just get the shirt and the hat and the red shoes. And then classic, like, teenage anime boy, I went, like, L, because, like, again, a white shirt and, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> jeans is all you need. And you just sit, like, on chairs weirdly, because that's, that's what you do. Didn't have to, like, think too hard about specific scenery, because they're both just pretty generic, like, Ness in front of a house works, because it's just, that's what he mm-hmm. is, a little American boy. Um, ah, interesting. Well, as we start to sort of head towards the end of the podcast, one thing I'd be keen to hear from either of you, are there any particular cosplayers that you guys, you know, follow and think are really good? Or if, you know, someone was like finishing this podcast and like, I want to look up some high quality um, photos other than yourselves, obviously, that uh, you want to shout out and sort of point people in the direction of? I think we've mentioned a few, like, because we've also already mentioned Kamui Cosplay and like their their books are so so good and their tutorials are so good and you can get them in like print and digital format. Kimpatsu is also very good for tutorials. Um they have um a lot that you can just sort of buy online and download. I'm just trying to think because I would rather do sort of Australia specific because I think that's nice because they those people are definitely using what materials we have that are accessible here yeah um <laughs> could even just be friends if there's any friends of yours you think people should check out i don't know but no stress if you don't just thought i'd ask the question oh i guess are there, are there any good platforms to go have a look at i guess what sort of cosplayers are currently doing and those sort of things yeah usually instagram is the way to go yeah. because i suppose i feel like that's the default platform in terms of uh, i wrote a little list but um i like uh i can't say his name taran cosplay he's like hmm a buff dude who does cosplays we got like um in australia we've got miss twisted azizi madness red scarf at a cosplay vye cosplay there's so many but i also yeah i second that instagram is the sort of the place because i think you can still find people quite easily with tags um and also like i make a lot more friends through instagram and people that i like we started following each other years ago because we were in the same fandom and like generally they do cosplay from other fandoms that I like so then you sort of like you reconnect because suddenly they're working on something that either you want to work on or they've uh, you've already worked on and then they sort of chat to you about how you went about it which I just think is really really beautiful sharing all the different um, skill sets um, amongst each other which is really really good. Out of interest has there been much shift of like people over to like TikTok or not something that you've you've noticed? Um, I think 
I try to I try to be good at TikTok and I'm bad at it. <laughs> but I think the problem with TikTok is it was really it was really great for cosplayers. It was a really untapped area and also like you get the real play aspect because obviously you're lip syncing to music and stuff like that, or you're sort of talking about like you're having a little TED talk about the um, community and stuff like that or how you made a thing and so it was really good but I think because the algorithm has changed recently and it's more like all social media moving towards sponsored content I think it's a little bit harder to break into but at the end of the day people break into social media at every point everyone's always talking about oh the algorithm's broken and things like that and that definitely does happen but like people still make it so if you're happy in the things that you're doing and you do want to give it a go just posting consistently like it, it will happen eventually like I remember years ago I did a fallout cosplay and it did get picked up by Bethesda because a friend of mine shared it to their fan group and then like a Bethesda rep was in there like someone to do with their PR and so then they shared it on their main page and I did get a lot of people join my Facebook from there which is why my my Facebook follower count is higher just because this one thing went viral and it was just a friend of mine was like, I've got some time off over Christmas. You want to go like jump into some farms and take some photos? And we did get kicked out. We got <laughs> told off for trespassing because we didn't realize um, we just thought it was abandoned. But um, yeah, and that was still probably one of my favorite shoots I've ever, ever done. Um, and then, yeah, it just got picked up and it, it went really far. So it's sometimes it's that cross posting and things like that. And if somebody sees you and I think Twitter is sort of better for that. I'm just bad at Twitter. So yeah, but I, I make friends through like an, an amount of people that I feel comfortable following. I don't really need any more than, than what I have, I think. And so that's, cause that's not my goal. My, my drive is like, I want to create this thing and bring it to life and then nerd out with my friends. And so that's, yeah where that sort of sits awesome brendan has this inspired you any thoughts around taking up the hobby or even giving a giving it a whirl one one packs or one you know supernova or something like that look zach i'll never say never and i think <laughs> the fact that i i think that it is a hobby that's as um Rhea and mess have described it's never been more accessible there are opportunities and options to just go out and buy things and the like because i guess Thinking back sort of about a decade ago when some of my friends started getting into it in a sort of hobby way that one of the impediments I always saw that I just didn't really see myself creative in that way, the ability to make a costume and, well, so it was one of those things that I I thought about but never really thought about investing my spare time to doing it even though I find it interesting and I find it quite... um, well, I think the people that do it are remarkable and some fantastic cosplays I've seen. In the future, maybe I might consider doing it, but it's one of those things that I'd like to do once or twice to say I've been, I've done it. So I'm not ruling it out. How about yourself, Zach? Are you sort of inspired to get back into it? I, I, I'm surprised you haven't done a warrior yet. Yeah, that's probably on the list. I, I've still got a few I want to do. Um, I definitely <laughs> want to do some with friends. Um, I think it's also getting up because I think there's an element of feeling more comfortable when you're not you know, on the train by yourself dressed up as Wario, but you're Ooh, on the train yes. dressed up with your friend who's also Waluigi, uh, as an example. <laughs> <laughs> so that's probably an element. But yeah, I, I have a few ideas. Some of them are, you know, as Mess pointed out, it's figuring out the how in terms of the practicality because it's not just you have to look good, you have to also 
function to an extent, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, yeah. Functional cosplays are yeah. important. You need to move around. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, as you see like a like people dressed up as like Snorlax, I'm like, that's cool. But I'm also like, how easy is that to <laughs> walk and see and do what you're doing? So there's there's thoughts, but um maybe this year, if not if not maybe next year, and that's what I've said every year for the last ten years of <laughs> um or whenever I since I last did Ness. Um You just gotta do it, Zach. Yes. Even though I'm the worst <laughs> person to give that advice. Just just do it. For sure. But I, I definitely think that the um getting on the train gets easier because mm. people are actually just interested. And yes. I never realised that. Like they they're never really asking be mean they're actually just asking because they're like oh you're you're doing something different and i'm i'm interested and the amount of positive interactions absolutely outweighs the probably two negative interactions i've had so that's um something to bear in mind it gets easier the more you do it (laughs) i I think we do forget that people are just curious that when they see things in public that they don't generally say for sure yeah or you get people who are just like oh are you this person oh can Mm. i get a photo and you're like Mm. But I'm, I'm I'm not even like you're like what, partially in costume. You don't have your prop out, and you're like, oh, okay. But for them, you're you're doing like a great service. You're you're yeah. making their day. Very good. Well, this has been, I think, a really good and enlightening episode, certainly for Brendan and I, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners. Well, maybe we'll start with Mess. Mess. Uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you? And maybe if you're doing any cosplays this year or planning to, you know, are there any shows people should look out for you for, and what character you you may be if you're disclosing that at this point? Maybe you're, maybe you're not. Ooh. Well, my handle is like some variation of Fluto, so I have Fluto underscore cosplay on uh, Instagram. I have underscore Fluto on Twitter. It's just, you got to look it up. Eventually you'll find it. <laughs> I'll add stuff in the show links so people can find it. Yeah, uh, awesome. <laughs> I'll be, I feel like I'll be at every con, but I won't necessarily all be cosplaying. To be clear, um, every con, con be... in Melbourne, because you're not flying globally every, oh, yeah, every sorry. day. Yeah. <laughs> every con in yeah. Melbourne, I'll, I'll just visit it because I get bored. No, I have a lot of friends I like to uh, talk to every now and then um, at these cons. And recently I bought like a camera, like a, a decent camera to take photos. So getting a little bit into cosplay photography. But some uh, cosplays I would like to do this year is Godo from Ace Attorney oh, yeah, 3, Trials and Tribulations. Yeah, very Ooh. good. Um, I'm interested in Clive Rosfield from Final Fantasy 16. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. difficult. That's a, that's a big cosplay build. Yeah, that'd um, be huge. And yeah, huge fan. So a huge, as in huge undertaking, <laughs> but big fan. Of oh, huge undertaking, yeah. <laughs> and I have some bucket list cosplays that I may or may not do. Like, I like Lance from Xenoblade 3. I really like the idea of designing his really big weapon, his like great sword slash minigun thing. And also I like the design of uh, Jin from Xenoblade 2, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, yes. to be more specific. Yeah. Awesome. No, that's that's good. Well, so, some certainly some characters to look out for and see if we spot you at, you know, TGX or PAX or Supernova Melbourne or anything like that. Rhea, what about you? Any, you know, where can people find you if you want to be found? And also, um, yeah, any any particular cons people should like look out for you for and what you may be cosplaying as? Yeah, so um, my handle on most things is um, gaming underscore goddess and sometimes there's an extra underscore and sometimes there's cosplay. <laughs> um, but on yeah. Instagram, it's gaming underscore goddess underscore. Um, and then I've got like my link tree from there to everything else. I'm... Queensland based, so I will mainly be at some Queensland cons, but I'll be going to Smash this year because we're hoping to try out for um, WCS again, and we're 
I think I have posted about it, but I might keep it a secret because, um, yeah, that's I'm not sure where we're at with that. Um, <laughs> and then I'm also coming down for PAX again because I just absolutely love it um, and have lots of Melbourne friends, so it's nice to see them all. My main build is that secret one, but I'm also hoping to revisit my Red Mage from Final Fantasy XIV because um, I made her last year for FanFest and there were some things that I want to upgrade. And as I mentioned, I'm sort of on that has-been hotel train so I'll probably be doing either an Alistair or a Lucifer depending on which one uh, gets me most excited and then hopefully my Blue Mage from uh, Final Fantasy XIV because I have some friends that are looking to tag team as Blue Mages so yeah two two really big projects in in that lineup so that's yeah we'll see how far we how far we get so yeah. Awesome well that wraps us up. Thank you both again for coming on and chatting all things cosplay with us. If yes. you want to follow us on social media, you can do it on most of the current major ones at blow cart pod, or even just searching blowing cartridges will, will likely yield you the result. Generally put podcast after blowing cartridges. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's they're right. Otherwise it just get people talking about breaking their NES cartridges from blowing on them too much. Um, and hopefully nothing more sinister than that. Also, you can email us at blowingcartridge at gmail.com if that's your preferred way of communicating with us. You can find me at Eggerino on most platforms, though. I have signed up for Blue Sky uh, under my other handle at Eggmond, but I haven't posted anything yet, and I'm not sure not sure what's going to happen there on Blue Sky yet, just sort of feeling it out. Um, but, yeah, Brendan, what about yourself? As always, at Tamazoid on uh, X, Twitter, whatever we want to call it these days, and also on Blue Sky, though. Blue Sky sort of just reposting what I'm putting on Twitter. So, <laughs> so pick your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you both again. And, you know, to all our listeners, we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Thank you for having me. Bye. Thank you for having me.